Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. <clears throat> the scripture today comes from James 2, 14 through 25. My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith, but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal. What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Someone might claim, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. It's good that you believe that God is one. Ha! Even the demons believe this and they tremble with fear. Are you so slow? Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? What about Abraham, our father? Wasn't he shown to be righteous through his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? See, his faith was at work along with his actions. In fact, his faith was made complete by his faithful actions. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and God regarded him as righteous. What is more, Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that a person is shown to be righteous through faithful actions and not through faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute shown to be righteous when she received the messengers as her guests and then sent them on by another road? The word of God for the people of God. So as we begin a sermon series on spiritual formation, uh, using the image of developing habits for a home run faith, it would make sense to start with that basic message of practice, practice, practice. I wanna say that baseball is beautiful. We, we went last night, about 20 Chapelwood church folk uh, to the Astros game. We watched them uh, win, which was always wonderful. But uh, uh, baseball itself as a game is just beautiful. If you've had the chance to be present for a, a perfect game, it's a beautiful experience. Uh, if you've watched it on video, it's amazing to see how the team works together to accomplish essentially absolutely nothing happening in the game. Have you ever thought about that? The no hitter, right? You're rooting for nothing, but still it's a beautiful thing. Baseball is beautiful. 
Uh, I mean, uh, last night, um, we, uh, we had really good seats, if you liked altitude, right? <laughs> so we were literally the second from the top row. I did not know I had issues with heights until I got up there, right? I, you know, it was amazing to see how far out the outfielders really were um, from the infield. And of course, when you have that satellite photography view, you can really see how far the outfielders are out. Baseball is beautiful, but, but let's not get distracted. Baseball is also hard. I mean, last night it was amazing to watch effortlessly these professional baseball players. Um, you know, you, um, to me, um, hitting the ball is a great celebration of accomplishment, right? But to see that ball fly beautifully into the outfield. And, and the right fielder, he takes about 10 steps this way and catches it, right? Professionals make baseball look uh, beautiful and almost easy. When you think about it, the pitcher throws a ball that travels faster than most of you should be driving. <laughs> and if the batter connects with the ball, it flies at a similar velocity at any angle possible. It could be a, a, um, a straight um, line drive, that's, is that the right term, to the pitcher's forehead. Uh, or it could be a pop fly into the stands behind the catcher. That all of the angles, all of the slight notions of what needs to be done I had professors in seminary, uh, one particular, Stanley Hauerwas, who said um, that no matter how bad the world might get, no matter how difficult and uh, how far we uh, travel into chaos as a world, there are good things. Namely, the good thing is that we will always still have baseball. I, I think you would be surprised if you were to Google this afternoon, baseball and Christian discipleship, how many articles in professional academic journals written by PhD liturgists and uh, ethics, uh, uh, church historians and theologians. In America, as Christians, we got a thing with baseball. It's a beautiful and hard game. What's beautiful about baseball is you think about all the little league kids, right? I was a little league kid, most likely you were as well, or at least you were there uh, in the fans, um, hoping that um, your parents wouldn't argue with the umpire. I mean, it, it was all, right? It's part of that little league experience of growing up in America. And what I love about little league is that these kids watch the major league uh, players and they think to themselves, I could do that. I remember that moment when I thought I could do that. Uh, um, so I was a little league kid. Um, I, it, my dad uh, lettered in baseball, football, wrestling, you name it, right? I played really well in high school, the tuba. So, thank you. Um, <laughs> So um, it, it was that uh, developmental moment between uh, the year before we'd done uh, T-ball, and this was coach pitch. You, you remember that, right? So, so exciting, different, new. And what we discovered in, the current, in that season was that I've always been um, smaller, shorter, um, not as good athletically than everybody else um, in, in my grade. Uh, but what we found is that Peter had a brand new talent. Because when he would get in his hitting stance, the strike zone was so small that none of the coaches could hit it. 
I was the guy who would always get on base, not because I hit the ball, but because I was a good walk, right? I mean, the uh, coach knew to put me in the lineup and right in a place where he wanted to advance the whole field. I was responsible for countless runs, but only because I happened to not be able to, you know, no coach could get a strike on me. But you know, there was that one day, it was towards the end of the season where I decided it was time to change the messaging about Peter Camerano. That I was going to not just stand there immobile waiting for the four balls to be called and to take my base, but instead I was going to swing the bat. I thought like everyone else, I can do that. So you would be surprised when I swung the bat and I was surprised that I connected with the ball. And you might think, oh, Peter, did you give it all that you had? Did you, did you point out to the, one of the outfields and call where you were going to have a home run? Did the ball fly beautifully in an arc over everyone's head? Did the crowd go, ooh, ah, no. I barely got a piece of it. And to much to my surprise and the pitcher's surprise, it was an unintentional bunt. <laughs> And it was like a count of three. I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta run. And so I ran and it was a count of four when the catcher realized, oh my gosh, he hit it. And he had to go get it. <clears throat> so I ran like no tuba player has ran before for first base. And the catcher picks up the ball and throws it over the first baseman. I rounded first and headed towards second. The first baseman runs into the dugout, grabs the ball, and from the dugout, throws it to second. <laughs> There's some repetition in this story. If you get it sooner, it's better for later. He overflows, overthrows second. <laughs> and I'm running my heart out to second. Now the second baseman had a little bit of help with the center fielder. The center fielder scooped up the ball, and as I'm rounding uh, second base, headed towards third, the um, third base coach is there going, run, run. What do you think the center fielder did when he threw it to third? He overthrew it. It was great. So here I am running around third base, headed in no man's land. No Peter Camerano had ever been on the stretch between third base and home base. And I was preparing my best slide for my home run. And I got there. I scored a run. <laughs> really? <laughs> often accidental bunt by a guy who'd made his name for having uh, the most balls thrown on him. You know, there's something beautiful about baseball that creates in little leaguers and in us that, rec that realization that we can do that. Um, it's been said that the game is hard, that the pros make it look easy, or maybe more so, they make it look possible. In a lot of ways, when we think about baseball, that effortlessness that the pros use is a cultivation of their skill and their talent. That's really the hard part of baseball, is that all of those little leaguers at some point have to come to the terms that either they don't have the talent or the skill, or they don't have the culture or the context, or they're not willing to make the sacrifices to get to the, uh, the, to the expectation. In a lot of ways, when we think about baseball, Baseball and Christian discipleship kind of go hand in hand. 
that, that it requires sacrifice and cultivation, that it requires practice and uh, drilling uh, um, time after time, that the effortlessness that the saints show us, such as Mother Teresa, in her care for those who are dying in the slums of Calcutta, as she holds their hands, as they die from diseases that are not um, untreatable, but that they die from diseases that they just don't have access to healthcare for. That the, the effortlessness that Mother Teresa shows is similar to the effortlessness that we see in a Major League Baseball game. That to attain those things, it would be easy to say that we may not have the talent or the skill or the culture or the sacrifice, but in exactly the place where the model of Christian discipleship and formation as baseball breaks down is exactly the place where it breaks open. It breaks open because unlike professional baseball players, we are given access to grace. Uh, now, it's grace given to everyone, but don't get the idea that it's cheap. Grace given to us through the cross uh, and through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is, as Bonhoeffer says, costly grace. It is a grace that T.S. Eliot writes in one poem to say that it costs nothing except everything. And grace is given to all of us. You've heard it, that the uh, ground at the foot of the cross is level, that we can all come to that place uh, of being formed and transformed by the habits that we have to become uh, the saints that God intends. Now, I'd be willing to say that the model of uh, baseball for Christian discipleship breaks down in a number of places. I'm not so sure that our preachers should have mil million dollar multi-year contracts. I'm not so sure that performance enhancing drugs, drugs are helpful, but you better believe I thought a little bit last night about what if there was a performance enhancing drug that made tithers tithe more? It worked a whole lot better at the 8.30 service. <laughs> Not that I'm saying they're better than you, but like, they laughed. Um, so I, wanna, I don't want to say that we should all, you know, sell our United Methodist t-shirts and go out and become Astros fans. But in precisely the places where the model of baseball as formation excels. It excels in that James says to us, oh, he, baseball is hard. Um, he says to us, um, in our scripture passage today, my brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith, but do nothing to show it? I can remember in the beginning of my ministry as I came out of seminary, the high water mark for engagement of a congregation was an increasing number of heinies in the pews and dollars in the plates. But you know, that, that idea of Christian formation as uh, being perfect attendance and high dollar giving does not create a transformation in character or habits or in the world around us. You see, James is a hard scripture passage. If you like intellectually thinking about being a Christian, but not actually doing things to look and act like a Christian, don't read James. James is the uh, task-oriented doer's gospel. In James, you hear words like, um, you have not because you ask not. Uh, in James, we hear the prayer of a righteous man can affect much. In um, James, we hear about works without faith. Or faith without works is dead. And of course, the great theologian, um, 
oh gosh, I just forgot his name. Rich Mullins uh, said it even better, that faith without works is like a screen door on a submarine. It's useless. You see, James doesn't just want us to intellectually assent to the idea of a God who suffered and died for our sins, but James wants us to actually put into action our faith. In our scripture passage today, he talks about um, Abraham, that Abraham was considered righteous because he obeyed what God said and went. Not only that, he was willing to put his hopes and dreams on the line, on the altar, as he almost sacrifices his son. Faith without works is useless, like a screen door on a submarine. Um, James also goes to kind of drive the wedge even harder into the moment and says in that Old Testament story where we talk about Rahab the prostitute, which I'm sure everybody go, ooh, we're not supposed to talk about that in church. James says it was accounted her to be righteous because she hid the spies that were coming to plan the attack on the walls of Jericho. James is an action-oriented uh, uh, message. It, it is a message for us in days where we can uh, uh, log in and check in on Facebook at church, but never show up. It's a place where James calls us to some action, to some results, to some movement. And so, we might think instead of practice uh, makes perfection, we might say that practice plus grace equals formation. Uh, I, I was amazed, um, uh, switching sports just for a moment. I remember the first time I went to a soccer practice, love soccer. Um, again, tuba player, so therefore, uh, you know, I, I was on one soccer team, um, it was in seminary, um, the uh, Duke Divinity um, um, uh, graduate um, soccer team was named Snake Handlers, play by faith, not by skill. <laughs> We roundly got beaten up by the law, the law school's team, but then they had cooler sneakers uh, than we did. Um, but the reality is, uh, um, in soccer, I, I remember someone showing me that it wasn't about how fast you ran or about how well you dribbled. It was about how accurately you could pass the ball, because the ball will travel faster than any other player. See, the ability to learn the basics and fundamentals is not only important to soccer and baseball, but it's important in our faith as well. Um, uh, James goes on to say, so you see that a person is shown to be righteous through faithful actions and not through faith alone. When we learn those actions, they begin to transform our lives. Have you ever tried to um, uh, teach um, a, a toddler how to pray? Okay, we're gonna be quiet, we're gonna be still, and we're gonna talk to God. Where is he? Well, shh, he's here. Where? Everywhere. Really, the way you teach a child to pray is you say, take your hands and put them together and repeat after me. You see, it is the actions that help us become a Christian, that as we think about head and heart and hands, our lives are transformed. Now, there are a lot of movies that could be talked about with regard to baseball. Uh, Field of Dreams, For the Love of the Game, if you're economic-oriented, which I think some of you are Excel sheet-oriented, Moneyball, right? You name it. But the one that I like the most uh, is the movie um, A League of Their Own. 
Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. Uh, it's a World War II era um, movie about um, a girls' professional baseball league. I still think it's hilarious that it was girls and not women's. Um, Tom Hanks is the strangely cast, strangely assigned professional coach who is washed out and was a drunk. Um, he never shows up on time. He says inappropriate things to the women. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, he seems to be more of a hurt than a help. Um, we really enjoy A League of Our Own at our house. Um, a particular um, past, uh, play, uh, scene is where um, the women come back from the field and one of them is crying. And, and Tom Hanks meets her out of the uh, dugout and says, you're, you're crying? Well, why are you crying? And he says the words that are often repeated in our house, there's no crying in baseball. We often fill in that word with other things. There's no crying for taking out the trash. There's no crying for paying the bills. There's no crying for doing your homework or writing your sermon. <laughs> but probably a better piece to talk about around um, uh, a league of their own and baseball is an interaction that uh, Tom Hanks's character, Jim, Jimmy Dugan, has with the team itself. He says an interesting passage that I think is interesting for Christians. You see, Jimmy says baseball is hard, and it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. And the hard is what makes it great. Now, I think uh, certainly for Christians, we don't want to wall off the faith and have only a select few practicing it. But it is hard to pray. It is hard to fast. It is hard to understand the importance of worship and confession and pardon. And let me be honest, it's hard to tithe. And sometimes it's very hard to tell our testimony. But those are the basics of the faith. Those are the fundamentals. That's catching and pitching. That's hitting and um, that's infield practice. That's running sprints. That's doing the weightlifting that creates a spirit that is strong and ready to listen. I still am amazed last night. There was a, a couple of double plays and one of them was just lightning fast. The, the hitter hits the ball um, and the um, uh, second, second baseman um, catches it like that and immediately knows where to throw it. Two outs, just like that. Now, I remember playing football. Football is nothing like quick. You know, they tell you um, a play, and it tells you where you're going to run and what you're going to do. And if it works, yay! There's no split second thinking by the second baseman to throw it as hard as he could to the first. You see, the basics are important. The pros make it look effortless. They make it look possible. The saints make it look effortless. They make it look possible. And of course, the grace of Jesus Christ makes it possible for all of us to practice the fundamentals, to create habits that will result in a home run faith. For the next eight weeks, we'll be talking about these particular topics. There's a, a summer journal that allows you to work through some exercises. We have extra reading. We have opportunities for you to come out and do these activities with us as together we practice, practice, practice to be able to develop the habits of a home run faith. I hope that you'll uh, come out and participate as together we become uh, some of those saints that are willing to be ambassadors, emissaries, and actors for the kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.